Hey, I'm Laurie. Hey, I'm Phil. Really sorry for the delay um, in this next episode. So we had the Easter holidays, and basically it's the first time that I have really had to handle uh, what it's like to have children in Easter holidays. Do you remember looking forward to Easter, Phil? Do you remember thinking, I can't wait for school to be over? <laughs> yeah, I still very much have that sort of feeling, actually, in all honesty, but on the other side. Well, you're a, you are a teacher, so maybe you have that. Well, try um, looking forward to having your children around all the time, all, all the time. All the I time. Have, I, I, have lo- I don't know whether child. you know this, but we're we're still in lockdown. So I mean, when I mean all the time, I'm I really mean all the time. <laughs> so things have been a bit different for me uh, while I've been working alongside it as well. But look, we're glad to be back in the hot seats and very much welcome to anyone um, who was attracted by the star power of Joe Wicks to the show. Someone described it as false advertising to me <laughs> the other day. How do you feel about that? Do you think that we are misleading people with that interview? Uh, I think. Uh... The second you hear your your voice, I think, nah, it's fine. It's all part of the fun. Thank you. It's all Although, part of the fun. Although you know, our mum listened, and she's like, "Who did you get? Who did you get to do Joe Wicks?" <laughs> so, mate, you never know. Um, but look, we're we're kind of in really familiar territory this week because it is quite film and uh, media heavy. We're going to kick off with the Oscars, which of course happened. I'm going to be honest, Phil. I even I almost totally missed the day that the results were announced, which I don't think has ever happened. Well, I think you're not the only one, but we'll come on to that in a second. Uh, also, we're going to be talking about Captain America, not Captain America, uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier all around <laughs> Captain America. But um, yeah, that new, well, it's now just finished. It's just aired its last episode of its season uh, on Disney Plus, And it's kind of the big show of the moment. So I thought I'd say my thoughts on it. And uh, if you agree, disagree, you can, you can disagree with me by email. Uh, but we'll come Could on to that Could you actually update us as well on WandaVision? Yes, I was going to. I was going to package it all in as a lovely, neat well bow thing. Don't you worry, Laurie. You're in safe hands Ooh. with Phil Bailey. Yeah. I am kind of curious because I haven't watched either of those things. <laughs> so I'll just throw stones at it as I, you know, as is my want, Phil. But we have yes. both managed to see Palm Springs, which is yeah. a Amazon original, Andy Samberg, Christian Mialotti, uh sort of critical darling I guess it seems to be getting a lot of attention is it really well I don't know I seem to get it seems to have very positive reviews and uh, we've both seen it so we can give our, our thoughts on it and okay. uh, yeah that's one thing we're doing and then you've got a couple of uh, another film to which I don't know <laughs> well about. I've got a well. I have a film to sort of talk about called Anti Life, also known as Breach, starring Bruce Willis, and you know it's been trending in the UK in Netflix's top ten this week, which is partly why I watched it. Uh, <laughs> that's not going to be sort of normal film review, so look out for that, and we'll see if we can squeeze anything else in there too. I know you've got something else to say, Phil. Well, I've, I'm going to hit all of the uh, the big institutions today because I've got an Apple TV original oh, called Boys. Does State. anyone watch Apple TV? I've got it for free, and I'm not watching it. So well, there hmm, I'll talk about it. There you go. So that's what's coming up, listeners. Stick around. And as always, we love hearing your opinions. This is not just our opinions uh, forced down your ear, ear canals. This is also your opinions as well. So if you'd like to contribute with your own opinions of what we've been talking about, then do email us, flicksandfilm at gmail.com, or you can tweet us at flicksandfilm, flicks with an X, like Netflix. <laughs> just in case you didn't get the name of the show. I really and thought it was going to be so easy, and it, it turns out, no. <laughs> 
Yeah, but do send in your thoughts, and you can give us plus ones and minus ones. This is like an age-old competition between us brothers. You can say, yes, I agree with Phil, plus one to him, or minus one to him if you disagree. And we've got a little tally in our heads, not officially, but sort of officially yeah. in our heads. So yeah, let, let us know. I would say as well, particularly interested in your thoughts on the Oscars, because Phil and I have not managed to see that many of these films, as you'll see in a minute. So if you've got hot takes on them, now is the time to send those in, and we'll read them out next week. But let's get going, shall we, Phil? Yes, let's get on with the show. Phil, you know, I was going to record a, a new theme song for the Oscars, because according to a Gardigan article, Gardigan? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> have you got your Gardigan? <laughs> It's the Cardigan <laughs> section of the Guardian. Um, Guardian article. They say apparently the ratings are down 58% to a record low, uh, which doesn't surprise me in the least, but obviously they need a little bit of an injection of interest. So I was thinking, you know, a theme song a bit like... Oscars. Oscars in my hair. Oscars everywhere. What do you think? I think you're on to something there, Laurie. I'm sure well that would mean millions of people would tune in just for your little Oscars hey, jingle. <laughs> they need something. Let's put it that way. So why why has this been so poorly like viewed and, and why well it passed me by completely. How's it happened? Is it because we're all on a weird like our time sense is all out of whack because of pandemic? Is it because it was delayed the ceremony? What's the deal? I think the Oscars, let's be honest, have been struggling for a while. There's controversy around it by about the voting system, about how how white it is as a, an institution all these sorts hashtag of... oscars so white exactly exactly and so i think already the oscars has been seen as a who cares anymore who's watching and it's a long show it's like three hours long uh, there's loads of channels to be watching there's netflix shows you can stream whenever you want who wants to stay up late and watch it and i think particularly with this year with the the pandemic with lockdown with people not really being able to go to see to see these movies in their normal sort of way i think it has uh, taken the wind out of the sales so to speak and i think also you have to admit the 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 selection of films there's not really any ones which i think people are saying this is absolutely amazing you must see it it's all normally what a powerful film which is the sort of it's like your greens of on the vegetable you the vegetable plates you know you, you <laughs> should eat it but you don't really want to it is all issues isn't it i am i'm kind of a bit flabbergasted by that because you know um you've got the father which is Anthony Hopkins' Oscar-winning role there about dementia, right, isn't it? Mm. Um, Promising Young Woman, which is kind of about revenge and abuse and kind of awful misogyny. Um, you've got Sound of Metal, which is about someone going deaf. I mean, that's the film that appeals to me the most, I have to say. Mm. Um, a heavy metal drummer going deaf. Trial of Chicago 7, which you brought up, also an issues film. Minari, which I also think sounds interesting, which is a South Korean family coming to America to start a farm and kind of try and live the American dream. It's all quite issuesy. Am I, am I wrong about that? No, I think it's just... It's like, do you really want to watch 12 Years a Slave? I'm not sure people ever really want to watch and experience that sort of... They know that they should because it's, you know, revelatory, right? And important. Totally. But you but don't always not... want to... <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> not, not what you want to do. PM when you put the kids to bed, yeah. No, exactly. And and so the pull of films like Anti-Life and uh, Love and Monsters on Netflix seems more appealing. So you, you whack that on, I think. I saw Love and Monsters. We should be talking about that. That's what I should have said. <laughs> I saw me and Judith saw that the other day. We got too I many saw, things I to I'm sure you did say it, but I didn't know. I suddenly thought, oh, gosh. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's funny 
funny because it's been the smallest Oscars for years and years and all the awards ceremonies have struggled with the the covid situation the pandemic people just aren't as interested in awards and all this sort of stuff the glitz and glam doesn't doesn't appeal people aren't necessarily there in person it just feels like a bit mm. of an awkward zoomathon rather than an actual award ceremony um and i think all of that coupled with just these intense things has made people less interested but what's funny is that it's been quite a groundbreaking Oscars uh, award category. It's the first um, non-white female director to win ever. Um, and then yes, you've Chloe got, Zhao. Zhao. You've got Daniel Kaluuya, who was, I think, only the... It's, a, it's in the single digits number of black men winning best actor um, or best supporting actor. So it, there's been lots of groundbreaking in sort of the right directions in terms of what people have been saying about Oscars needing to be more modern and diversified. But I think just people are slightly like, what's the big deal? Maybe it's like, I think perhaps you're completely right that actually all these things are big deals, um, but it maybe is pure pandemic, Phil. The more you talk about it, the more I think all these things like would be celebrated in a in a much more widespread way, I think, if people were actually going to the cinemas and were, you know, being bombarded with adverts for the Oscar-winning films. But now now more than ever, you don't even see that. Because I'm thinking, like, unless you watch TV a lot, where are you seeing the adverts for these things? Because we're not going out. We're not seeing the um, posters on buses, you know, unless you're really keeping up with the trailers on YouTube channels. You're not seeing that either. Or you've got a big subscription to a film magazine. But if we're all watching Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever, you don't really get the sort of Oscars build-up. Or at least I certainly haven't. No. Because I don't think um, Netflix... On its own platform is shouting about its Oscar nominations, which, when you think about it, is a bit weird. It almost feels like um, a reverse snobbery from Netflix, because for years, you know, people were kind of critical of Netflix and thought maybe um, it didn't deserve to be there. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe maybe that's the problem. Maybe the whole thing is fractured and it's much more representative of um, the state of the world right now than it is to do with the Oscars. What's interesting you say, Fracture, just to finish this off, because I think one of the most interesting and telling things about the Oscars in general is they rearranged the award categories for the first time ever. It didn't end with Best Picture. The last award was not the big, big statue for the Best Picture. Instead, it went to the Best Actor, uh, and which uh, Anthony Hopkins won for The Father, and uh, people of critical's critical opinion has been very positive about his performance but you had Chadwick Boseman in his last performance nominated yeah, for posthumous. Oscar and I think I wonder if they the Oscar organisers thought it was going to be a high point to end on Chadwick Boseman oh they thought Chadwick Boseman would win I, I wonder I do wonder because it's a very strange decision not to end with the big the biggest award surely the biggest award is the best picture of the whole year that is the big mm. big thing to end on, and yet it didn't work like that way. I think they tried lots of new things. It wasn't even at the normal theatre. It was instead using no a train station, again. and they yeah. didn't. They tried loads of different things. They didn't play the film clips of the uh, awards. It still went on for so long, but it. I, I just think for a lot of people watching who maybe were tuning in, even then it wasn't necessarily the award show they expected, and maybe they tuned out as well. You might be right there, man. You know, I, I'm always glad, so just a total tangent, when I see Daniel Kaluuya picking up awards and appearing in these films, because my major memory of the guy is um, Johnny English, where he plays um, Mr Bean, basically, his companion. Have you seen that, Johnny English? I think it's the second uh, I've one. I've never watched Johnny English from start to finish. I've seen bits, but never all the way through. It's worth a go. He's pretty good in it. He's a nice foil to uh, Rowan Atkinson in that film. It's just brilliant to see the way his career has totally skyrocketed. And he's been great in so many things. Um, on another level, um, have you ever been to an industry awards ceremony and actually attended one? 
No, I've never had the pleasure. I think you went, didn't you? Stephen Mangan yeah. was the Yeah, uh, that's the exactly host. right. So I went to the event managers um, awards ceremony thing. I'm not an event manager, but I was working for a company too complicated to explain it was involved in it and we were there sort of witnessing how the event was run a bit of behind the scenes and all sorts of things and they are long and they are quite boring and uh, Stephen Mangan uh, who is was in Greenwind wasn't he I think and um, he's quite a decent actor he's been in a few things episodes is maybe the most noticeable one now um, where he starred alongside Matt LeBlanc um, yeah, he was giving the speech and it sounded like the kind of speech where the phrase event managers um, in his script is just written blank so the whole thing is just a big comedy after dinner speech and then he just inserts the word event managers <laughs> like a, a robot could have done it but he's very charming he got away with it I forced him to take a selfie with me I think I was the only person to do that um, <laughs> if I find that I'll uh, you, post you're it acting up. like you're ashamed but I don't think you're ashamed at I'm all I think ashamed. you're very proud of yourself <laughs> Well, you know, anyway, look, that's part of it. But it doesn't surprise me, in other words, that making an industry events award um, isn't necessarily very televisual because you need to recognise a whole load of people and a whole load of skills that the rest of the world don't even realise really exist. Like, it's just not on their radar. And the Oscars, their whole job is to make it interesting, to make you care about the hair and the makeup and to make you care about the best sound mixing or whatever. You know what I mean? But I think it used to be about the presenters, it used to be about the host, the skits, the musical performances, and I stripped all of that away, I think, and made it much more simplistic. I mean, there's loads of things you could talk about the Oscars, because they don't, they still haven't done an award for Best Stunt Performer or anything like that. And oh, that's crazy when you think about it, isn't it? Right, totally. I think the Oscars is, is sort of the old, aged man trying to figure out its place in the world, a bit like um, Brooks in uh, Shawshank Redemption, trying to pack... Uh, shopping into the the paper bags they don't they don't quite know how to be a part of this this modern age what an obscure reference <laughs> can i say uh, you've watched the most oscar nominated films phil because you saw trial of chicago 7 you've also seen soul and onward both of which nominated uh, for an oscar and based on your reaction to soul when you saw it i would imagine you were a bit surprised in fact did it not win yeah, yeah it did win i uh i think it doesn't surprise me that it wins uh, at all because I, I, I just think Pixar could do better. And in fact, I've seen them do better. I think Onward was a better film. Yeah, but it lost. It lost I in know, a competition know, with its I own know. studio anyway. But then, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Um, if you've got thoughts about Oscars films, sorry that we don't have loads of opinions about the films themselves. We'll try and catch up with those when we can. <laughs> I hope you don't mind us having low mental stamina, as I say. Uh, but we'll get there as soon as we can. What is that, Phil? That's amazing. My wife has just given me the most amazing uh, bowl of um, what, what looks like, like a chicken iced? chicken Caesar salad with uh, a, uh, some dressing and things like that, <laughs> which is the most... <laughs> deli- I'm <laughs> so hungry. Right now, record it. I'm so hungry. And it's like the least appropriate for a recording session ever. Yeah, <laughs> it's like the crunchiest meal ever. That's still, no good. Thank, I, thank can you, I tell wife. you, though, maybe because of my lack of colour, you know, um, distinguishing... In, what's the word I'm looking for? Colourblind. Um, it really looked to me like pastries with loads of icing on top. <laughs> and I think what I'm seeing is the Caesar sauce. Not that that's not just as appealing. Come on, let's move along. Yep. So, Laurie, you have already previously on this podcast talked about your sort of uninterestedness in Marvel on the TV sphere of Disney+. Is that Plus. true, though? I used to say that. I don't know that I'm uninterested. I, I think got the sense it doesn't immediately It doesn't immediately make it into my list, put it that way. So did you immediately decide to watch Falcon and the Winter Soldier? 
Well, like many things, Phil, in our fractured world, if I could just <laughs> reuse that phrase again, um, I wasn't even really aware of it coming up. And then suddenly it was everywhere. Um, I don't know. I don't find either of those characters particularly interesting. I think the Winter Soldier, the major sort of dynamic uh, he has is with Captain America and the Falcon. You know, I would say he's the least developed, isn't he, of all the Avengers um, in that series of films. And I don't really know what's special about him. He's got the suit so he can fly around, right? And he was in Ant-Man. He was the only Avenger they could could get for Ant-Man. I think they even made that joke in the film. Um, I don't know. It doesn't doesn't add up to an appointment to me for me, Phil. I think you share and have voiced the opinion of many people, in fact, because I do think these are the B-listers of the superhero team. Both good actors and like decent in the series, in the films, right? But you know, but characters that you're maybe not that fussed about: the Falcon, the Winter Soldier, and like you say, it's all centered around Steve Rogers, Captain America, uh, Chris. uh, Which which Chris is it? Who does? Chris Evans. <laughs> Have you seen that video I sent you? Chris Pine. Hey, I love that. Uh, Chris Evans, yeah. Yeah, Chris Evans as the as the linchpin of the, those two other characters. I agree. I think both actors have shown ability and talent in other things, but maybe they haven't shone in these particular roles. And yet they've got this Disney Plus series uh, all about them both in the aftermath of the events of Endgame, uh, where Steve Rogers decided to give away the, the shield, the Captain America shield. Well, to, to the Falcon, right? To the Falcon, surprisingly. Perhaps yeah. people thought, oh, maybe he's going to give it to his old pal from the 40s, Captain uh, Bucky. Bucky. Yeah, Captain Bucky. Uh, But he didn't. He gave it to the Falcon. He gave it to uh, Sam. And the the whole series centres around that decision, really, because at the very beginning you have Sam as the Falcon still doing his business, but he decides, I'm not going to carry this shield. I'm not going to be the new Captain America. And he decides to give it to a museum. But just as quickly as he's given it... A museum is not going to do your Captain America's job well. What does he... I mean, it doesn't even move. Can't even move. It's a museum. Great joke, Larry. Really good. Uh, <laughs> no, they give it, he gives it to the museum and lo and behold, the American government decide to appoint a new Captain America played oh, by... wow. Played by Wyatt Russell, who you might have uh, I know seen. who that is. And there's a big internet controversy because he originally auditioned for the role of Captain America and was not cast as Captain America. He's Kurt Russell's son, isn't he? Um, good, good, quite a good actor, yeah. Well, it's, it's, that's, that's kind of the origin of uh, the actor playing this character, Johnny Walker, because Johnny Walker takes on the mantle of being the new Captain America, Captain uh, America's back, and he's the, he's the big guy. And as you watch the series, you see him, this new character, Johnny Walker, trying to be Captain America, and of course, failing to live up to the, the big boots of Steve Rogers. See, that sounds quite good. I'm, now I'm interested. Okay. Yes, exactly. So, who would like to start? Mr. Barnes, why does Sam aggravate you? 15 seconds to drop! So what's our plan? Great. Superheroes cannot be allowed to exist. I have no intention to leave my work unfinished. The world's upside down right now. Where do we start? Buck, I have a plan. Oh yeah? What is it? Is you ready? Here we go again, huh? 
I think this show actually has got for what it is you think what are they going to do with a, a, a guy who has a wingsuit and a guy with one metal arm like how are they going to make this interesting <laughs> and yet they really dig down into the characters and they present this sort of alternate version of Captain America that makes you think back to Steve Rogers and what was special about him as a character versus this new guy and the interplay between the three of them I think actually is used very well to for drama purposes I was quite interested in the quiet scenes less less so the action and more th- them just being characters and dealing with the loss of their friend and what do they do now who are they meant to be in this new world and even even the Winter Soldier, who's this brainwashed dude, and you kind of think, what's the deal with him other than being the best friend of Captain America? The Winter Soldier, he ends up being really interesting because he, he doesn't really know who he is. He's trying to atone for what he did in his past life when he was being mind-controlled by Hydra. It sounds silly when you lay it all out, but I think there's some really interesting sort of dramatic stuff in it. And... I really was enjoying the show. I was looking forward to every episode. I think it's quite nicely paced out. They introduce some interesting stuff to do with race and um, why Sam, as the Falcon, doesn't want to take on Captain America, the identity of it, because he thinks... Well, I'm going to be the black Captain America. I'm not going to be Captain America. I'll end up being the black Captain America. This is what they they say in the show. Well, they probably do. Exactly. It's really quite surprising the angles that they take. And then, then you've got in the background, you've got the Flag Smashers, who are these people trying to terrorize the world you've got the power broker you've got daniel Bruhl coming back as uh, zemo from captain america uh, three he's back in there as a any, source. Of those, any of those words <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but if you've seen this if you've been following the marvel like universe Bruhl, you will. Though. yeah he so he's back louder uh nicky louder in the um uh the f1 film he's great rush oh, yeah rush yeah. um oh that's the one, he's yeah. He's great in this, and he ha- he's not there the whole time, but he pops up again, and he has some scene-stealing moments, I think, as Zemo. Um, I think there's a lot to get your teeth into. However, I am starting to get a bit worried about Marvel shows in general on Disney+, Plus okay. because I think this show doesn't quite stick the landing. The last episode, I think, was the biggest disappointment of the, uh, the whole thing, um, because it doesn't quite... It doesn't leave you with that classic Marvel feel of wanting the next thing. I think it it teases a couple of things, but you're constantly wanting that big, like, oh my goodness, they're going in this direction. And I get the sense that Marvel is wanting to hold their cards close to their chest and not reveal the angles that they're going to go with the new following movies. I bet you they've got a 20-year strategy here. Like, because 100%, you think how, yeah. long, how long it actually took for the Marvel Cinematic Universe to unfold in the first phase or whatever they were calling it. And that, that kind of... I don't think they had a big strategy to begin with. Maybe I'm dead wrong about that. You know, I'm not a Hollywood insider here. But I think they had big successes with Spider-Man and then X-Men and then suddenly comic book adaptations and then the dark knight you know the batman trilogy suddenly became viable in a way that maybe they hadn't for years and years because it's not as if this was the first time anyone had tried it and then it just snowballed now they have to try somehow and rebuild that momentum um and how interesting that this is a new character then they're bringing in i wonder whether they're going to have to do that to sustain interest again yeah well i think what they're doing is they're tweaking and developing these characters and making them 
uh, fresh again. Comic book comic writers have been doing this for years and years and years. These series yeah, yeah. are ongoing, and they're constantly uh, Miles doing Morales, reiterations. Right, Spider Man. Totally, 100%. And so I think there's lots in this show which you think, oh, that's quite cool. They're, 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 the characters are still good characters at the core of them, and they manage to flesh out their characters. However, I think as a, a Marvel fan, you get used to this idea of this big sort of... Um, the kind of end credit scene which exposes what they're going to do or what's coming up in the future and i think that by the final episode of this and also wandavision you're wanting some sort of meaty thing to think oh this is where they're going to go and for whatever reason they have decided to not really do that so you've got but all hint, the fans hints that you can well some hints some hints okay but i think it's the fans are so interested and invested in this series. They've got all these comic books to refer to. The fans are getting ahead of themselves, thinking what could turn up in these shows and where the where the whole movie franchise, the universe is going. That I think it ends up being that it's a bit of a bum note right at the very end in the finale because it doesn't have mm. that big, oh, this is what they're doing. No way, they're going to do this because I think they're holding it back for the movie releases. And so I think you have this expectation built up from the TV shows but it can't ever quite meet that same sort of fan f- fervor. Is that the right word? Of um, yeah. of excitement and anticipation at the end. And so you're kind of left with a, oh, that was that was okay. I quite enjoyed that. But okay, that was that. Nothing so to lead man. on to. There's quite a big industry thing here. It'd be quite nice to hear from. I'll, you never know. We should try and get interviews on this show. Um, but like from someone in a business, especially a writer, I wonder whether there's way more pressure than there ever used to be about the exact moment you're talking about in a screenplay, the final closing moment, because, you know, I want to review Love and Monsters. We don't, can't do it on this show now. I'll do it next week. Um, but the major thing I thought about Love and Monsters, which I quite enjoyed, was that there is one element of the film that is unsatisfying. And you think it's quite unusual to have that. But immediately it makes me think, well, they're probably setting up for another one. And I wonder how much pressure there is from the producers and the investors of a film to see, always leave something open for potential franchising and expansion, just in case audience response is big enough. Which, if you, if that turns out to be true, imagine how hard that is as a writer. To get the right you, sort of breadcrumb. That just goes against every, well, just goes against all your instincts, right? The whole point of a story is to achieve a satisfactory climax. Like, the journey is important, but it can't be done without something right at the end. So it's just fascinating stuff. And Marvel would be the uh, most obvious example because they clearly have a stake in a big, expanding, long-reaching series every single time. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed it on the whole, though. And uh, so WandaVision, whilst not fully satisfying, good journey in the end? I think WandaVision, um, I was very confused by the whole TV sitcom device. I thought it was quite brave. I think both shows have done brave things. Um, but I found the finale of WandaVision in particular quite a letdown because I anticipated, I fell into the trap of anticipating what they might do and then it didn't really happen and it ended up being smaller than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be much bigger um, and it was more straightforward of an ending. It was the big laser beam in the sky and then sort of trying to fix it. Um, okay. But I think it was still it's still solid TV. If you like these characters, I think it is worth checking out. Um, I think if you've overlooked the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I would check it out because I think they do a really good job of fleshing out these characters so you care. Um, but maybe they just missed the landing at the very end. That's my my very thoughts. Very interesting. 
All right, well said. But well, to be honest, you've kind of convinced me to give it a go. I don't know whether Judith will be as interested because <laughs> she def- she definitely will not remember the Winter Soldier or the Falcon. It'll be like, what words? What are these words? Um, we'll see what we can manage. And do remember, if you're watching this, if you've got your own thoughts about the direction it's all headed, get your thoughts in flicksandfilm at gmail.com at flicksandfilm on Twitter. We're going to have to talk about Loki soon as well, Phil. Yeah. Too much. <laughs> Phil, I just want to put in a little bonus here because I think both uh, our uh, top topics here at the front of the podcast have been quite sort of discursive and rambly, but in a good way. That's just the kind of thing it is. Um, Let me throw in something stupid in between uh, that and our review of Palm Springs. You know, I was on Amazon recently, and um, when it comes to films on Amazon, Phil, do you want to see a review of Soul from Pixar where someone's saying five stars, really heartwarming film um, about life before slash after death, question mark, and then that customer's views on the film? I'm not sure I want necessarily... Well, uh, I, sometimes I like to know what people thought of it if it's something which is a bit niche. If it's a movie, I'm not really that interested in what user 55776 thinks of the <laughs> film. Um, but... okay. Why? What would you say? Like, I have written those reviews. I've written film reviews of like Harry Potter and all that on Amazon. Um, <laughs> and now, I, now, when, yeah, I, in the past, I absolutely did. Now, when I do, I want to know what the product is like. I'm like, I, I can't like to know what the special features are on the um, on the DVD. <laughs> what you thought of the special? And how fast did it get there? Does it have DTS sound or Dolby 5.1? <laughs> That's what I want to know. And that's what I want to see in those reviews. And I was just trying to think at what point in my life this happened. And I became Mr. Product Didn't Arrive on Time <laughs> or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Mr. Yep. One Star. There was a corner was slightly damaged. Um, that's what is that? That is what Amazon's for, is it? What the reviews? I think it is to get to get the review of the product. Um, and I think film. The funny thing is, is I remember really enjoying reading book reviews of bad books yeah. I've read because it was really fun. Uh, particularly Aragon. Do you remember the Aragon series? Oh, I, used to... I think I told you about this. One <laughs> yeah. star reviews of Aragon are like one of my favourite pastimes. You got all these mums <laughs> who have to read it to their children, and you say things like, "I just wish the dragon would." go mad and eat them all <laughs> rather than me having to read another page I, the mums are the best man but <laughs> i feel like when i they feel like angry it's great. book reviews are a different thing where it is quite nice to kind of get a sense of what people yeah, but like that's exactly didn't. what i'm talking about on amazon those should really be uh, the paper stock is great not too not too thick <laughs> on my fingers uh, I really so like the glossy cover the page. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, I must recommend a book to someone else. Like that, I just, <laughs> I just suddenly realised there's this weird uh, online space going on with Amazon reviews, and I, especially with movies, because it's still almost fifty-fifty between people who think it's a place to write a review and people who, yeah, review the product. Interesting. You don't really tend to get as many um, people doing the fancy DVD covers or the the actual product is is the DVD case. I remember seeing in HMV, back in the days of HMV, Reservoir Dogs, you could get like a seed, uh, yeah. like a gas canister which contained uh, the yeah. DVD, um, which I feel like that would be quite fun to see the contrast between people reviewing the gas canister case and uh, the actual film of Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. But... I, I haven't I haven't reached the stage yet Laurie so I think you're you're falling on deaf ears with me of complaining about products I wonder well I haven't complained I just wonder what point in my life that happened and what it represents 
I think it's when you got you got some money and you could buy some fancy sound equipment. I, I think... definitely don't have money, but we did buy some fancy sound equipment. Oh dear! <laughs> and now you want to make sure life. it works on your fancy sound equipment. That's right, because I was watching Tomorrow Never Dies. <laughs> this is where it <laughs> it's came all from. based on something, and isn't it? it's only DTS. It's only DTS sound, and so we could hear the gunshots and the music, and we couldn't hear their voices because it wasn't <laughs> wasn't transmitting. Anyway, let, let's leave this alone. Let's move on. Palm Springs. Now, our older brother actually was the one who sent a message to the family group on WhatsApp saying, just seen this, guys, worth a look. Um, he called us professional in that message as well. How do you feel about that, Phil? He said, uh, <laughs> professionally for these guys, but... Uh, <laughs> no comment, no comment. Exactly. Um, well, it's a very unassuming name, which I really like. I like a mysterious name because Palm Springs is a famous resource, isn't it, already? So it already sort of tickles the memory. But when you see it associated with, well, what you've hinted at, Phil, critical praise and Andy Samberg of all people, um, it does make me kind of intrigued. And then when you hear again that it's a modern take on Groundhog Day, perhaps with a bit, well, a different angle on romance thrown in because Groundhog Day kind of is a romance by the end, isn't it? Um, and then I think a lot of people have been really sort of intrigued to follow it up. And it's an Amazon Prime movie, I believe. You saw it. What do you think, Phil? Well, so I had been hearing about this film for a long time because it was on Hulu in America, um, but Hulu's okay. not really a thing here in the same sort of way. And so I was thinking, oh, I want to be able to watch this film, but it's not it's not available because it's only on Hulu. And so I was really pleased to see it pop up on Amazon exclusive or original, whatever, whichever term it was. So I decided, oh, I think I've heard lots about this film. Let's watch it. And I watched it with Ellie, my wife, and... Um, I thought, oh, it's, a, it's Andy Samberg, it's Jake Peralta from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it's Christian yeah, Mielotti, yeah. who I've seen in other things, and she's quite charming and things like that. I thought this was going to be an absolute home run uh, for me and my wife, a lovely rom- romantic film to enjoy. You're doing I... a lot of past tense here, I thought. We <laughs> yes. hoped. Come on. Well, you join the dots, it. man. I don't want to relive <laughs> the same moment again and again, but I was really, really quite um, shocked at the tone of this film. I thought it was way off base for what I thought it was going to be. Um, I found it very, very bleak, quite nihilistic and um, surprisingly vulgar. Well, you were talking about Andy Samberg, you know, because you think about Brooklyn Nine-Nine is one of the cleanest um, sort of comedy outings there is, isn't it? Like, it's uh, guaranteed wholesome viewing and that's exactly why I got picked up after being cancelled, right? Because people love it. Uh, the, the clue for this one is Lonely Island. Did you see that brand come up in the beginning? Uh, no, I know he's been involved with Lonely Island, I'm, I'm, but even Hot Rod I was familiar with, uh, which was a Lonely Island sort of film. It was Saturday Night Live. Um, yeah, but they were that was a 12, wasn't it? They were going after a different audience. Lonely Island are blue, you know, to use an old fashioned phrase, but they they live in the crude, rude area of comedy, which I think surprises everyone about Andy Samberg because his sort of other persona really isn't that at all. So it doesn't surprise me that you, you found it a bit like that. And they're also, they're quite cynical as a sort of comedy crew as well. Um, a bit interesting reaction. Do we have the trailer before we do any further chit chat? Yeah, I've basically exposed all my thoughts and you said nothing, Laurie. You kept it all sturm. Let's play the pl- 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 Let's play the trailer. Supposing you say one of us is professional. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you asked me my opinion of the film. How dare you? That's so unfair. Uh, gotcha. It's going to be a beautiful wedding. Here you are, standing on the precipice of something so much bigger than anyone here. But always remember, you are not alone. I don't think that we met. I'm Sarah. Niles. Hi. Hi. Run, rabbit, run. Don't come in here. What the? 
it's going to be a beautiful wedding. Good day so far? Today, tomorrow, it's all the same. You! What is going on? Hey, get out of the water! Guess you followed me. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. That I might have heard about? Yeah. The second you fall asleep, it all just goes back to the start. I drove all the way back home to Austin, and I still woke up here. One time, I smoked a bunch of crystal and made it all the way to Equatorial Guinea. It was a huge waste of time. Well, then what's the point of living? We kind of have no choice but to live. No, I'm going to get out of this. Suit yourself. See you tomorrow. Now what do we do? You just have to embrace the fact that nothing matters. Do you sleep with people in here? Great question. I have, but it takes a lot of work. May I cut in? It's the first dance. And that's a deal breaker? That didn't work. <laughs> Let's waste some time. Don't you know I can't keep waking up in here. Everything that we are doing is meaningless. I hope it's not all meaningless. At least you have each other. Stop! There's a bomb in the cake. Don't worry. I used to be a bomb guy. Stand back! Ah! Oh, my God! It's going to be a beautiful wedding. Very good. I've got to tell you, Phil, my immediate uh, reflection on having seen that trailer again is Volvo yet again allowing their vehicles to be uh, linked to quite dark themes. There's a film I saw ages ago, I can't remember the name of, where Guy Pearce stars as someone who may or may not have abused and murdered a young girl. And it's all Volvo cars, <laughs> like the interiors wow. of the car. There's a, they're a family that has two Volvo cars. What are they playing at? Who is their brand manager? Anyway, um, there you go. So I, I would imagine, I'm guessing you might be sort of thinking, oh, this sounds quite good, it sounds quite quirky and light. The trailer, um, along with the repeated frame of what does life mean um is basically full of funny moments i think my favorite bit was in that trailer again where they concoct a moment in this infinite time loop where andy samberg gets to remove a bomb from a cake with a crossbow and shoot it into the sky because when you've got an infinite time loop you can set that stuff up and do movie style scenes and to be honest phil i am basically going to lay out my thoughts on the line here i kind of agree with you i think this film struggled to make up its mind about what it was about and what it wanted to do and kind of gave up on scoring a massive goal, having a decisive victory over Man City in the Champions League, uh, and instead opted for more tiki-taka, tiki-taka football, where you score one or two goals, but the other team gets some, and it's not an emphatic victory. And the crowd don't, you know, rise up and roar and cheering. Does that make sense? Nice analogy? I, 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 I was very confused to start with, and then I got on board, <laughs> and it made sense. Yes, lovely. Good, good job, good. Laurie. Yeah, I, I, the thing which I find is that it, it sits so much in the shadow of Groundhog Day and it's trying to be the cool teenager who's like, I don't need you, mum and dad, I'm going to do my own Mm. thing. And actually you realise that the reason why people end up being their parents is because most people realise that that's the normal way to live and there's a good, there's something wholesome. man. Yeah, the reason they are like that is because they've lived and they've (laughs) been through it already. They've done it all. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? And so I think... It's it all just screamed. Oh, I'm too cool for school. Not realizing that school was really fun, and you learnt loads of things. And you got to hang out with your friends all the time. There's something good in there. Yeah. Don't don't skip school, guys. Go to school. It's a good time. Um, and so even the beginning of the film, where you see essentially Andy Samberg uh, as his character, he's been in the time loop for a long time. You don't necessarily realize it, but he's been there a long time. Him showing off to uh, Christian 
Kristen Maiolotti's character, how well he can sort of manoeuvre through the world. I didn't even enjoy that particularly. It 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 tries to sort of jump ahead and say, you know the setup, you know um, that it's going to give you the n- normal day, and then they have the realization that they're stuck in a time loop. It, it almost says we're, we're going to be, we don't need to tell you all that stuff. Let's jump ahead and get to the really interesting bit where they realize that life is meaningless and they can do whatever they want. And so nothing matters. They think, oh, we'll skip that introduction bit. But I think actually they're missing the whole point of this sort of film is to go on that journey with these characters where they they discover something. They go through the, oh, I can do whatever I want and have every pleasure in the world. And then they discover actually these are the things that actually matter. Family, friendships, all those things are the, the valuable stuff. It, it it doesn't have the the sense the the heart to really get into why these films work. Okay, that's interesting because I agree with you. I do agree, and that's kind of an, a one goal situation, isn't it? Go on that journey, and that's the goal you're trying to score: decisive victory. I'm with you on that one. It tried too hard to be cynical. Um, but also funny and quirky and tell an offbeat love story about people on the outside rather than in Groundhog Day being Andy McDowell and uh, Bill Murray's weather reporter. Is he a weather reporter? I think he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, I, I agree with you completely. I didn't buy the romance. I didn't buy the philosophizing. Um, uh, I didn't really buy the comedy by the end. I thought the comedy was the best bit. Uh, Andy Samberg getting shot in the arrow with a, a shot in his a shoulder with an arrow was a funny moment for me. And I liked the way it kind of happened. There were lots of good moments, but it, it tried to be too many things. And I, I think the romance was the big problem for me um, because, without meaning to spoil anything for anyone who wants to watch it, I would say, by the way, it is still worth a watch. It's enjoyable. Um, I think it kind of betrays its own script. I think the momentum of the narrative and the ideas that it presents, it kind of throws away a lot of that, actually, by the end, um, to be less interesting than it should have been. I'm trying to hint to you, Phil, what I thought didn't work without giving it away to the listeners. I I think Um, I know exactly the moment you realise it's when you kind of get the other side of the coin of what a character's been up to and i think that's the point when you yeah it does betray itself it doesn't the one thing which i thought was interesting about the film and i thought oh this is a fresh take is you have the idea of andy sambo's character has been doing it for ages and he's stuck living the same life he's become very and he's resigned to it he's resigned to it and then somebody else joins him and so there's two people in a groundhog day situation that's the whole crux of what is fresh about this film and yet it doesn't stick with that as an idea um of of in some ways i feel like i was almost hoping it'd be like a a metaphor for for a marriage in the sense of like you're with somebody for your whole life and some people would say oh that's terrible seeing the same person all the time but then coming back around again and realizing that actually there's something special about this person you spent all this time with i feel like that would have been been that would have been an actual romance right i agree with you if they'd gone that direct but they didn't do any of these things they shallowly went in about five or six different directions and although i enjoyed the performances again i think for all these reasons the characters ended up being much shallower than they should have been um and the sort of twists and revelations didn't add up to very much what i think i will say is it reveals the depths of jk simmons's uh, talent because he manages to communicate something that isn't there in the way his character's written i thought just by pure power of his charisma and performance i thought he was interesting and i enjoyed him on screen but i thought the actual script the actual story of that character was unsatisfactory does that make sense yeah i think it it okay. falls very heartily in the um in the same category, unfortunately, of a lot of films, which is romances, is rom-coms just aren't being made anymore. I don't understand why they find it so hard. Everyone's too postmodern. This and is too... trying to be one. 
I know exactly, and he can't do it. That, that's why. I mean, I talked about always be my maybe, um, yeah. and even that had that tone of it. I felt like it was lighter than this film. I think this film's got the problems of always be my maybe even more so in that it's just so concerned with being cool and edgy and real um, to to appeal to teenagers or kids that it misses just what a joy actual romantic comedies are. Yeah. Or being an out-and-out slapstick um, in the vein of someone like Will Ferrell, which Andy Samberg could also do when you think about Hot Rod, which also would have been hilarious because Groundhog Day, while funny, isn't an out-and-out sort of joke about it. I you would enjoy imagine... that, sort of a really yeah. over-the-top film of somebody being stuck in a time loop. Like that gag would be filled, great. yeah. Yeah, I uh, So in other I words, a lot of promise, missed opportunities. But I do want to emphasise, I didn't not enjoy it. We did enjoy it. It would just left a kind of... You know, it's like a, a baked potato that you didn't put enough filling in. <laughs> like, you just got to do not not enough um, not enough sustenance. We've done too, way too many metaphors for this. I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you though, Laurie. I did not enjoy it, and I found it you very didn't. confusing okay. and a thumbs bit of a down. slog to get through. I'm gonna give it a thumbs down. Laurie's giving it a medium thumbs up. Sort of yeah, a, thumb, a horizontal thumb. thumb. My daughter's a big fan of that one. <laughs> she does, she says it often when she knows she can hurt your feelings <laughs> rather than giving you a thumbs up. She'll give you a middle thumb. She's good at that. Um, yeah, yeah, a middle thumb. I would err on the side of watching it rather than not watching it, especially as there's a bit of a critical fuss about it. Um, but yeah, I think that's enough okay. said, is it? Yeah, and do let us know your thoughts because you can watch this now. It's on Amazon. It's an Amazon exclusive. Um, you, I'm sure you can find it. Palm Springs. Let us know your thoughts. Email us in, tweet us, and uh, give us your plus ones and minus ones. I think we're sort of in agreement, but slightly just on the other side yeah. of each other. Um but still, you can agree or disagree with us. So do let us know your opinions. Send us your thoughts and uh, give us your minus ones and plus ones. Thanks. Anti-life, more like anti-film. Uh, uh, anti-life, uh, more like uh, anti-joy. Um, anti-life, uh, more like anti-can-I-have-my-hour-back, please. <laughs> That's the best I can think of. There are way too many gags for this. Look, Anti-Life is a film you'll see on Netflix and it's in the top 10. I wish I'd remembered that I'd seen Love and Monsters fast enough because then I could have talked to you about this instead. And, and Phil, we don't have time now, do we, in the programme to fit in your other thing? What was it going to be? It was going to be Boys State, but I think the time has crept along. We've said too much oh, the about Apple the Oscars. T- the Apple one. Okay. Yeah, the Apple yeah, yeah, TV yeah. show. Yeah, but I'll save that for next save week. Save it. And, yeah. Save it for next week. We've got yeah, way too we'll much do. to talk about, which is, which is a good place to be in. This is so funny. It is the worst. So far, it's the worst film I've seen ever, I think. What? Really? Um, wow. It is abs- absolutely atrocious. I cannot believe it. Bruce Willis is front and centre. Um, and uh, the premise, I can't even really tell you the premise. I, I, what I'll admit to you is I watched 20 minutes of this before realising this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And then I watched it, as I sometimes do on Netflix, by tapping the forward button and just looking at the <laughs> looking at the freeze frames That's all so, the way, oh, all the way should, to the end of the film. That. Can we play a trailer just to get a flavour uh, of the film? Yeah, OK, OK, here we go. Let me find it for you. First jump. Yeah. Just a little friendly advice. Did you get out of my seat? Come on. There you go. <laughs> Welcome to the last ship making the journey to New Earth. For the next six months, we will blaze across space and time. I hope it's the paradise they said it would be. Hey, where you been hiding? I don't know what could have done this. Something seems to be dissolving him from the inside out. It's not human. 
Then it might still be out there. It's out there. We kill it. You remember how to use one of those things? What do you think? Look up! Phil's giving me the uh, okay. We've seen enough gesture. Is that how you have seen the enough? Seen the enough? Um, so basically, it's alien, but with zombies rather than kind, an alien. kind of. Yeah. So uh, something, something Earth in a bad way. Something, something they're leaving it to go to another planet. Something, something they're in cryostasis. But there are these janitors, of which Bruce Willis is one, and our main character is one, who have to maintain the ship. I don't know why, because if no one's around the ship, then there's nothing to clean up. <laughs> anyway, that's what they're doing. And um, uh, everyone, and then uh, an alien gets on board somehow. There's some sort of conspiracy. Uh, there's a hard-talking uh, police chief on the ship. Blah, blah, guns, alien. You know, I just... I, I, I think I have actually never seen a film um, that is so brazen about what I would have assumed in the first place with its lack of budget, but it's got the same budget as Love and Monsters, which have just been nominated for Best um, Special Effects. Um, I think all of that budget went straight into Bruce Willis's pocket. The man uh, literally drinks and smirks his way through the entire film. I think in a few scenes, I think he is looking at his script. There's one particular scene early on when he's sat at the table looking down. He's got his script in front of him. That's the only reason I can think of. Uh, and then he's always knocking back from his hip, his hip flask. I think he's laughing at the script in scenes where it looks like he's just laughing at authority. But the rest of the scene doesn't call for that. It's just Bruce laughing away. I think the man is showing a complete lack of respect for this. And I, I think he must have drained all the budget away from everything else. And the biggest telltale sign of this for me, I think I said it to you, Phil, Mm. There are two of them. Tom Jane, for some reason, is in this as well. He's a good actor. I don't know what he's doing in it. Um, they're, when they're aboard this ship, there's a really dramatic opening with this pregnant woman and her boyfriend trying to get on the ship. And it's like, oh, no, we've been separated. Oh, maybe we're not going to get on this ship and escape. And then she find, and then she discovers, no, my boyfriend is on the ship. Oh, thank goodness. And they're all, oh, I'm so glad you're here and everything else. And then these people turn up and say, OK, let's go this way. And the, the tone switches on the like uh, the head of a pin. And then she's rolling her eyes like, OK. And then they, she takes this boyfriend who she just thought she'd left behind on Earth, which is going to get destroyed, um, to meet Tom Jane, who turns out to be her dad. And he's like, oh, so this is the guy I'm going to have to beat up for the next 10 years who knocked up my daughter. And she's like, come on, dad. And it's like a scene out of, I don't even know what, like a college drama. And, that, and so I, I was instantly thinking, oh, uh-oh something's wrong then when they're about to go into cryostasis I, I paused the trailer and said this to you Phil they walk towards a backdrop there's a, there's a 3D shot of all these pods being put into stasis I'm sure you can picture that kind of thing yeah. a big spaceship then the two main characters are walking towards that backdrop but it is a backdrop it is a printed backdrop on a set and I, I don't think I've ever seen I don't think I've ever seen that happen before it's like they run out of budget and they couldn't render the 3D backdrop so you see I, I actually can't believe it I'm going to find that clip and, and put it on Twitter I've never seen anything like it unless I'm misreading the scene um, I, I just can't believe it Bruce Willis is Bruce Willis is in this film um, and then after that moment and he puts his girlfriend into cryo he walks off to the the generator which I kid you not is uh, like uh, strobe lights rotating and it, it, it is from Star Trek uh, in the 1970s slash oh, no. Red Dwarf and there's a lot of people making comparisons to Red Dwarf already like I I have never seen such a shoddy embarrassing uh, film in my life 
I don't understand why it was released unless they are specifically attempting to get Razzies. It's already been nominated for these um, and draw negative publicity. And here I am giving it negative publicity. I've never seen anything as disrespectful to an audience as this. Do you think it's it's actively just shoddy and bad or do you think it's like meant to be this sort of B-movie Well, I think they're calling it a B-movie and that is the only possible way um, to justify its existence other than Bruce Willis, I don't know, earning money. The man is 66. He's got nothing left to prove. Just take the money and run. You know, I I can't believe it. I I mean, I wish I could think of something more strong to say. You need to watch it, Phil, because you'll have exactly the same reaction as me. Within the first 10 minutes, all the alarm bells be ringing. You'll see the the printed backdrop in the scene. And and it's just, I feel so sorry for the, um, the lead cast because they're not big names. Um, they're obviously le- starring in a film and they're only going to go down as people in a disaster. IMDb, it's um, 2.9 uh, stars, which is very low. That is very low, even for a, like a... Wow. Yeah. Oh, so gosh. watch it. Watch it. And um, I think if you're anything like me, you'll find it funny. You'll think, oh, I can't wait to talk about this on the podcast. But you'll also think I'm a bit angry about this because I think there's a lack of respect shown to just about everybody involved and it's a bit of a shame oh and it's also directed by someone (laughs) who directed bruce willis in diehard commercials for oh what was it i'm gonna look it up Uh, because this is something else that i thought was kind of you know people sometimes say about adam sandler um oh this almost seems like uh it's just to give him and his mates a holiday on a beach because so many of his films star all his friends on holiday um this one well, let's say here we go. Die Hard is back. Uh, it's John Suits directed this film. Bruce Willis is back, and this is called Die Hard is back, as the tough John McClane in a new action-packed commercial for Die Hard Batteries. Oh that's the director. That's the director of It's got Anti-Life. a better review than um, the actual film, <sighs> though. So Yeah. So there you go. I, I've done all my invective. It's worth a watch because it's just a, it's a disgrace. Um, it doesn't deserve to be on Netflix. Netflix, what are you doing? Um, I imagine many people have the same reaction. Go see it. Tell me your thoughts. Okay, well, time to wrap things up. Unexpectedly, I think Phil and I thought we'd be able to do the Oscars quickly, but we rambled quite a lot. Um, So we've reached our kind of allotted time for this week. We'll do your emails next week. Thank you very much to those who've sent them in. Keep yours coming. Flixandfilm at gmail.com, at Flixandfilm on Twitter. Yeah, do forgive us, because I I know there are a couple of people who are particularly looking forward to the email section. We will do it next week, I promise. But now there's another chance to get yours in as well. We can make it a bumper or something like that. Um, Phil, anything to add on this week? No, I think we've said plenty, plenty, plenty. Um, annoyingly, I was saving a boy state for um, as a sort of nice, happy, positive one, and I haven't had the chance to talk about it. And similarly, you haven't talked about Love and Monsters, which I'm getting the sense. I like that, you that as well. Of. So, so it's, it's ended it's up being a bit negative. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of rambly and discursive this week. Next week, it'll be out and out, uh, joyful time. So make sure uh, you stay subscribed or however you're listening on Spotify, whatever it is. Um, and uh, will be a joyful time next week. Joyful time next week and uh, stuff to avoid. But there's some positive stuff in there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Anything you want to add, Laurie, with your bonus list of uh Do you know something stuff? that I think about from time to time, Phil? I'm going straight in here. Okay. And I can't figure out why it stays in my mind so much. You know how there are some memories from your childhood that just come at you and mm-hmm. unexpected and some more regularly than others? Um, there's one that I regularly have and I don't know why. But do you remember um, the time when Pokemon Red and Blue came out on the Game Boy? Yep, I really do, yep. It was a very powerful memory for us. And, you know, Pokemon really landed. We were at school at the time, so it hit us at the sweet spot. And, I, you know, we all got kind of completely transfixed by it. But I particularly remember our brother Sam 
getting Pokemon Blue, I think it was, and playing away with it at our grandma's house in London. Lovely times, lots of memories of that. But there was another time, I think, later in life when we were also at our grandma's house, and I think I was playing Pokemon, and some friends' children had come round for the day, and they were playing with us. You probably won't remember this. Um, and they really wanted to play on the Game Boy, the boy in the in the question really wants to play the Game Boy. He was maybe a few years younger than me. And I remember um, <laughs> saying, he, he said to me, he really wants another go on the Game Boy. So I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, you can have a go on the Game Boy. Um, uh, what, what, um, what, are you, what are you good at? And he said, I'm really good at Pokemon Blue. And I actually think about the exchange again and again. Because at the time, and I must have been about nine or something, I was really angry that he said that. Because that's a lie, isn't it? You can't be good at Pokemon Blue. It's not that kind of game. It's an RPG game. And actually, if I were to let him play Pokemon Blue, he'd mess up my save, wouldn't he? And uh, no, because I'm playing Pokemon Blue. You can't play it because I'm playing it. And you can't say that you're good at it because you can't be good at it. To this day, that rumbles around my head. Do you understand where I'm coming from on any no, level? No, I don't, Laurie. I think you're... I'm, I'm, really, I'm really good I, at Pokemon I don't Blue. I understand you. <laughs> I understand you, but I do not understand holding on to that tiny moment for no, that No, I'm not long. holding on to it. It's not, I'm not holding on to it. I promise it's not something I'm intentionally holding on to. It's always there. It comes in. <laughs> it assaults my brain every now and again. I'm really good at Pokemon Blue. <laughs> you can't be good at Pokemon Blue. And I know you're just trying to get a go on it when I've said you can't. I don't know what's wrong with me. I wonder if anyone Maybe else understands. Maybe it's because it was, a, it, was a, it was unabashedly trying to get something and you didn't confront them on it. It was brassy. I'm really good at Pokemon Blue. And I should have... Well, you can't, you can't really be, be good yeah, at it. Maybe you're right. Maybe all these years later, I, I'm trying to think of a comeback um, to, so that, to shut him up. Nice kid though he was. I, I think uh, sharing video games is one of the hard things because there is, n- there is no worse feeling as a child than having your save get deleted by oh. a sibling that is literally yeah. the worst thing ever it's bad isn't it it's a bad one and you know nowadays people don't have to worry about that so much because multiple saves are a thing and although you can still overwrite them can't you can you imagine um, the pain it is if, literally if excruciating kids, pain i think if my kids overwrite one of my saves one day am i going to be able to handle it or is this going to be one of these moments where i'm unable to be an adult uh, i think you will be an know. adult on the face of it and then be mortified <laughs> and a childlike inside of this yeah. point. I get stressed out about it. My son is poddling around and uh, just causing mayhem wherever he goes. And I have been mentally preparing for the for the day where he breaks something that's very expensive uh, because yeah. I don't know how I'm going to handle that situation. Obviously, I know how I should handle it. And hence, I'm like rehearsing in my mind that sort of, no, it's fine. It's fine. Just <laughs> just leave it. It's fine. It's okay. Are you okay? That's the main important thing. Well but done. Inside, yeah, you've got to get that like, in there. That's important. No! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I am. Um, this is going to sound really terrible, like real sh- Schadenfreude or whatever. But um, Judith, I have a, a long running discussion with my wife that she can be ever so slightly careless, in my opinion, with where she leaves things like her expensive iPhone and I'm, you know, Apple Mac uh, laptop because she'll leave it on the kitchen counter when she's like making stuff. And then I come in, I just see flour all over it. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> something in me is going really alarm bells ringing. And uh, the other day, like the kids just spilled water all over her laptop and her phone. 
and she's like, oh, I can't believe you did that. And there's a part of me inside going, it's going to break. I hope it breaks. <laughs> because <laughs> then that'll prove my point that you shouldn't have left it there. But of course, it was totally fine. And there was absolutely no damage to the laptop or phone. Just like I said, I don't really want it to break. But there's some part of me that thinks, well, you know where I'm going. We need to just stop talking, Phil. Like, it's turning into a counselling session. It is turning into a counselling session. But I feel like I take some solace in the fact that it's not just me. Yeah, not just you. I'm really good at Pokemon Blue. All right, let's go. Uh, have a lovely week, listeners. Send in your thoughts. Um, whatever. Who knows whatever any of this is anymore. Uh, flixandfilm at gmail.com, at flixandfilm on Twitter. And if you are that boy, all these years later, <laughs> then I want to say sorry, but also I knew what I knew what your game was. I knew what it was. I'm on to you. Uh, yeah, exactly. Have a lovely week, listeners. Bye. Bye-bye.